All right, so we're going to learn for a few minutes before Maiv. And we're going to look at the first Pasuk of the Parsha this, this week. As much as we have uh, this imagery of, of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim being it's like perfect, like everything so beautiful and everything worked out and everything was just so magnificent, the problem is that the first, pasuk, the first word of the Parsha alludes otherwise, and that's the word Vayehi. And we know from a Gemara in Megillah, en vayehi That means when the Torah uses the word vayehi, now it's not always like this, but the Gemara in Megillah says, en vayehi That when it says vayehi, it seems that there's, it's, not as, it's not as dandy as it seems. So what I want to do is, is, is share six different approaches, it's very Tlainian, to understand what is the Lashon of Tsar, what is this Lashon of Pain doing over here, with this Indian of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, how could it be? Right? How, how could it be? So one of the, one of the things I think that the Orachayim HaKadosh is the first uh, we, we learn it by is that last week when we were learning about who left Egypt, so there's a Pasuk there that kind of gets, I don't know, somehow we just like, doesn't really stay in the, in the headline there. And that is, it says, Vegam Erev Rav Alayitam. That means that the Erev Rav also came out with us out of Mitzrayim. And so the Orachim is saying, the Bayehi, is that you had some schnorrs, you had some, you had some very unholy chevra that found their way somehow to come in and come out with us. And we see that they later, not just later, pretty closer to there, they start causing trouble as well. That's one approach. Bayehi, Lashon Tsar, has to do with the Erev Rav. The second one is a general approach that's brought down a lot of the Hasidish farm. <laughs> is that the, the reason why the Torah uses the word Vayihi, describing leaving Mitzrayim, is that as much as it seems we left and we were so besimcha and confident, we left with pachad. When we left, we left with fear, despite all the miracles that were taking place in our life, and despite all the love and bitachon and all the, the hugs that we felt. Remember, the makos were for a whole year. So despite all that love that we, met, we, we were probably feeling as a people, Still, it's one thing to witness greatness. It's the second thing is to actually act on it and do it and go out with Mitzrayim like that. There was an element of pachad that we left with and therefore the Svarim is saying that's that, that, that vayehi. We didn't really leave like, like you know, b'nei chorin. There was still a lot of avdut in the, in the way that we left Mitzrayim. Another one is, is, is a very interesting one. And it's also brought, it's brought down by some of the Mepharshim as well. And it's a pretty wild one, and I don't know what to make of it. But basically, the Vayehi is describing whose Tsar? Paro's Tsar. It's not our Tsar. The Vayehi is, Paro was like, oh my God, what did I just do? You know, his Tsar was like, I cannot believe that I actually said that they should go. Now, what part of Tsar, like why? Why is it such Tsar for Paro? So there's a great story that, um, that um, Rebbe Yitzchak Berdichever said, you know, if I was Paro, I would have never, ever let the Yidin leave Mitzrayim. So one of the, one of the Talmudim said, Hey, Rebbe, what are you talking about? You, what, kind of weird, what kind of crazy statement is that? He said, what do you mean? I sat back for a year seeing Gilui Elokus like never before. I saw such godly revelation for a whole year. At a certain, you know, Paro could have just been really just like enjoying more and more godly revelation after revelation. Why would I, why would I choose for the, the light show to stop? 
So it's, it's, it's a pretty interesting take on the, you know, that the Vayehi has to do with Paro's pain. But another way of another pshat, the fourth pshat, really is, a, is a, something that we, we see in our lives as well. Vayehi, the pain is, is that when a Yid looked at Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, he said, B'Shalach Paro. That a Jew said, it's Paro that sent me out of here. Paro came to the decision to send me out of here. Where you kind of remove the Yad Hashem from the story, and you basically look at the person that Kiv right now is granting you permission to leave, and you say it's them that, that, that did it. You have to remember how the Yad Hashem is in every single thing, even when, it's, even when you think it's clear to you, it's not enough. I saw this week, Rav Tzvi Huda Cohen Cook said in the name of his father, I think, that when the Balfour Declaration came out, everyone uh, said, oh, we have to go and thank the Brits. You know, we have to go and give and say thank you to Britain for, you know, the role that they're playing over here. Rav Cook said, I wouldn't say thank you to the Angelim, I wouldn't say thank you to the Brits, but I'd say, Mazel Tov, that in your chilek, it fell in your chilek to agree to a Mahalach Elokei, to be part of a godly revelation. Thank you? Thank you, you're a pawn. Mazel Tov, fortunate are you that you're, you chose the good, you know, you, cho- you chose the good team for a second. So this Mahalach is saying to us, Vayehi, is that a Jew actually said, B'Shalach Paro, I'm out now because Paro agreed to finally send me out. That's painful. That, that's a tsar. Now another reason, another, another fifth thing that we see is like, the, the, and the Nozdesha, the Sechachov speaks about this and others as well, is that we're told to bring a Korban Chat, a Korban Chatas, Korban Pesach, right? Why, why do we have to bring a Korban Pesach? For what? What's the reason? What's the reason? Why do we have to bring a Korban? Usually, when, when, when does a person bring a Korban? Generally speaking. Besides, obviously, Nedavas and everything. But when does a person bring a Korban? To atone over something, right? So what are we atoning over? We're toning over about this. What else, are, what else could we possibly been atoning for? Ma kapara for what was Korban Pesach? And therefore? Right, so it's, it's kind of what some parents were saying, meaning like, to kind of like say, look, we, we've been bad boys and girls, and now we're bringing a Korban. So the, there's a Mahalach that says like this, is that when you have... Uh, what, what's that? It's not a it's not a, it's a shlomo, it's not a... A shlomim, why would you bring a shlomim? So what am I bringing? So at that moment I'm bringing a shlomim to thank Hashem. I'm not even out yet, right? There's a problem there with the way we understand the, the role of this korban. One of the ways the Chazal see it is that I brought a korban because in my imagery, when I was told I was going to leave Mitzrayim, it was going to look a certain way. And it didn't really fully look, it didn't come out the way that I thought it was going to be in my imagination, according to my expectation. So I bring a korban right away to say I'm ridding myself of how I think things should be. I'm ridding myself of the illustrations of what it looks like, what I was under the assumption things were going to look like. So I bring a korban right away in the beginning saying I'm getting rid of my mochin dekatnus of how certain things should be. I once heard someone give a drush on this and he said... When people get married, they have a certain imagery of you know, what, you know, what Shana Rishona and Shniya and Shlishit and Revit are going to look like, right? And then they realize, I don't know, not Shana Rishona, I would say Shavua Sheni or Shavua Shlishi, that all those expectations of how you thought it was going to be, that's a Vayehi, that's a Tsar, that's, that's Chaval. You, you had your own makeup of how it is and it didn't end up being like that and it caused a lot of pain. 
That's because Lenin Pitzayin. What's that? Shlamim Ishlaimim. That he's okay with. That he's okay with the way that it is. <laughs> I'm yeah, very good. I'm 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 fine with the way that it is. But it's a tsar that I had my own. Like Reb Shlomo once said, when Ayid left Mitzrayim, he was certain that it was going to be even higher than whatever he saw. Which is crazy. Right? Even higher. So he has to bring a korban right then and there and say, you know, forget my own inyanim of what, how I thought things need to look like. Can I get rid of it right away? Is that so crazy? Huh? We're going to have to bring a korban out when Mashiach comes. We don't have a thought of it. Nah, that's a big machloket. Not according to Rav Kook. In our own minds. And, and how it's supposed to That's look. why we got to rid ourselves completely of like, you know, limiting God or like, I just, I trust you. The way it's going to be, it's going to be, right? The way, the way you're planning it, it's going to be like this. But tying it to Mashiach is really the sixth Mahalach. Is that we were just so happy to get out of Mitzrayim that we didn't dive in for Mashiach for the Gula Shlema that night. So sometimes Hashem opens gates for us, and we're just so happy to walk through that gate, but we don't realize that's an ace ratzim. That's actually a moment where so much more can happen. It's not you're not being a, about you're not being a uh, what's the right word when you want more to happen while good things are coming to you. You're not being a ungrateful. Um, that may be between human beings. The way it is with Rebbeinu Shleim is that when Hashem opens up a gate for you, you try to make that gate even wider while it's happening. So, what's that? The six-day war. Ah, it's the greatest example in the world. We were, we were fine. I mean, again, I'm, I'm, I was minus 13. Some of you, maybe two of you were alive back then. We, most of us weren't alive back then. And even when you were alive, I don't know how much you were activists and, 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 and part of what was going on here. I was seven years old. So. Okay, your putter also. <laughs> Mr. Rich, we'll get to you one day. We'll figure out about what you were doing during June of 1967. But Be'emes Lamito is that I, I, I'm, I'm actually so happy and grateful that I wasn't alive and an, an adult back then because I think the pain of seeing that when we finally, Hashem brought us back to Yerushalayim and what we did with, with Yerushalayim, what we could have done, what we could have done as an Am, what we could have done as a people, seems like nothing in comparison to what, what, ended, what, what, what happened. And look at the... Look at the weird, chaotic mess that we're in because we were just happy to get out of Egypt, Kivyachol, right? They're leaving Egypt, was like they're... In hindsight, 2020, they're leaving Mitzrayim. Them entering that gate was getting to where they wanted to be. Potentially. Yacholiot. But maybe the Lashon of Vayehi over here means exactly what I just said. Maybe. Yacholiot? I'll give you an example of this story. This is a, a, a very interesting story that you all know. We'll end with this. I'm sure you know this. With the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh had a top, top Talmud. His name was Reb Nachman Horedenker. You've heard of Reb Nachman Horedenker? He's buried in Tzfat. Huh? Bidiuk. He was Rabbi Nachman Breslover's grandfather. He's named after Rabbi Nachman. Yeah, Rabbi Nachman's named after him. And he was a top student of, of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. And... Um, he had this, he, he was by the Baal Shem Tov all the time, Mamash Ratzalit Chatan. Very badly wanted to get married. The Baal Shem Tov had someone else, kept on coming to him also, a woman looking for Shiduchim. So the Baal Shem Tov says to Reb Nachman Horadenka, you know, I have someone for you, this girl. He tells this girl, I have someone for you. He makes a Shiduch. He tells the girl 
Listen, this Reb Nachman or Adenker is an ilui atzum. He's a giant. He's unbelievable. He's, he's, he does things a little bit differently than usual. But if there's any inyanim, come and talk to me straight. So this Reb Nachman or Adenker, very interestingly enough, they get married. He doesn't come home the night of the wedding. In fact, he only comes back in the morning. And then he'd be with her a little bit in the morning. They'd have breakfast. Maybe he'd come back after Seder. They'd eat a little bit afterwards, and then they'd go, and then he'd go home again, and he'd never stay for, for the night. You know this story, right? He never came back for the night. This is happening for a few weeks. So this woman comes to the Baal Shem Tov and says, listen, I don't understand what kind of shidduch this is. He's not coming home. He's not staying home at all. He doesn't, he doesn't sleep in the house. She says, oh, let me talk to him. He calls in Reb Nachman Horedenker, and he says to him, well, what, what's going on over here? He says, Rebbe, you and I both know Alp." you know, Ruch HaKodesh, that this, this Heiligen Nishama, my soulmate, who I love so much, she's going to die in childbirth, at childbirth. She's going to die when she gives birth. I, I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't think that I'm going to be the cause for her death if we bring a child into the world together. And I love her so much, and I just want to spend as much time as I can with her. So the Baal Shem Tov said to him, listen, that, that it's a beautiful thing, but you're, you're barely spending any time with her. At least, at least, have one full year with her, like mamish, as much as you can. He says, ah, Rabbi, I can't, this is crazy. So the Bashem Tov says to him, Nasim, go and tell her, just speak to her straight out. So he says to her, listen, the reason why I'm not coming home and staying here is because I know you're going to die when, 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 if you give birth. So she says to him, but, but this isn't life anyway, I feel like I'm dead right now anyway. So at least, get, at least like, let me at least live for a year and bring... And hopefully just bring life into the world. Bekachava. She did give, she did um, have a child. She gave birth. And while she was giving birth, Mamash, at that moment, she said, Yibona Shleilam, I, I cannot, I, I'm a Kavad Gzera, but please, at least give me four months to be alive with this Chelik Elokamimal that you trust me with. Let this baby have at least four months with his Ima. Please, four months. And they had a baby. His name was? Simcha. Rabbi Nachman's father. Right? Simcha. And she died four months later. Rabbi Nachman Horidenker comes back to the Baal Shem Tov. It's all broken. And he says, to, he says over exactly the story of what happened. How she, how she took off and what she said when she, was, when she begged for those four months. He said, how could it be? You saw that Ibn Ashlan was giving her four more months. At that moment, how come you didn't intercede with her in the tefillahs and break open Shemaim and ask for so much more? Did you ask for anything else? He said, no, I was just so happy that she, had, that she was given the four months. Vayehi, the Baal Shem Tov says to says, the moment that the Ibn Ashlan opens a gate for you, the way that human interaction is, I just say thankful and I'm grateful for it. By the Ibn Ashlan, it works something else. When something good happens to you, you say thank you, and you say and weiter, and more, and more, and more. So on whatever level that the gates open for us in our own personal Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim's crossing of the sea, v'chulein, to understand that it should all never be vayehi, it should all be vehaya, it should all be moments of simcha that we take advantage, and to believe, bemuna shleima, that right now, Hashem doesn't just want to give you a little bit. The Yibon Hashem wants to give you everything. I'm going to go to the house. I'm going to go to the house. I'm